Yeah, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center as we conclude our uh, teaching series on knowing the Holy Spirit. This is week 17, and we're going to conclude that this week, and we'll start a new series next week, beginning in May. And so, anyway, uh, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, again, all of our teachings, the whole series has been archived on our website, lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we thank you again for all of our financial partners who have sponsored us, partnered with us, with their tithes and their offerings to our website, lighthousediscipleship.org. Anyway, so like I said, and then we, uh, before I even go to, uh, we have a Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock on Effortless Change by Andrew Womack. And again on Wednesday night, The Believer's Authority by Andrew Womack at 7 o'clock on Wednesdays. <coughs> okay, so what else was there to do? We're just going to go ahead and jump into our message this morning. This will be the conclusion of this series, Knowing the Holy Spirit. Next week, I'm going to be starting a new teaching series called Experiencing the Spirit of Faith. Uh, which is really just kind of a sequel to what we've been talking about, but obviously focused on faith. Uh, faith is also one of the fruit of the Spirit that we've been talking about uh, the last two weeks. And after that, I'm going to do a, new, a teaching, hopefully by June, uh, I'll be talking about walking in the anointing, which will be another sequel to this kind of a, a tr trilogy of series of teachings um, which is a continuation. It's almost a, a serious walking in the uh, in the anointing will be kind of a combination of knowing the Holy Spirit and the, the teaching on experiencing the, the spirit of faith. It'll be kind of a combination of those things, uh, but it's really kind of on the same wavelength. These are teachings uh, that I felt like God put in my heart uh, in the last uh, year or so. And I've been really looking forward to these teachings. And anyway, so here we are. <coughs> so without further ado, let's go to our key verse that we've been using throughout the series. Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen: The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. And then again from the message translation. The amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love... <laughs> of God and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit with you all. As I've been saying every week, and I'm going to be emphasizing it more even this week throughout the message, we talk a lot about the grace of God, which means, speaks so to the gospel. The word grace and the word gospel, Paul uses those two words interchangeably, in the book, especially in the book of Romans. We talk a lot about the extravagant love of God. We'll be talking about that a little bit today, too. Because this is love, not that we love Him, but that He loved us and became the propitiation of our sins. That speaks to the cross and the gospel. And the friendship of the Holy Spirit, which we've been talking the last 16 weeks. And we will conclude today in week 17. So, we want you to know God. We want you to know Jesus. We want you to know the gospel. We want you to know God and His love. We want you to know your friend, the Holy Spirit. Okay? With that in mind, we're just going to go and kick right into Luke chapter 24. And Luke chapter 24, Luke who wrote the book of Luke, and he also wrote the book of Acts. We're going to be looking at those two uh, books today. 
been brief as we I'm, I'm on I got a lot of scripture today so I'm glad we have the PowerPoint so I have a lot of scripture today but Luke 24 is the last chapter of the book of Luke this is after the cross Jesus had just been on the road to Emmaus with two of the disciples he just appeared to the eleven he appeared to Thomas remember doubting Thomas and he uh, was able to touch the, 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 the nail prints in his hands and his side and whatnot. He, and he's now talking to the eleven. He's having a very intimate conversation with the eleven after the cross, after the resurrection. Okay, he's with the eleven, and he's, we're gonna, that's where we're going to pick it up. So he, Jesus, <coughs> said to them, the disciples, <coughs> thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. That's all about the cross right there. That's all about the finished work of the cross. And that the repentance of, and remission of sins should be preached in his name to the nations. Beginning at Jerusalem. This sounds like a lot by Acts 1.8 right here. And we're going to go there in just a moment. And then he goes on, he says in verse 48, And you are witnesses of these things. What things are they witnesses of? They're witnesses of Christ suffering to the cross and rising from the dead. They're witnesses of these things. And they're supposed to preach based on this message, based on what they have witnessed. They're going to preach to the nations repentance and remission of sins in the name of Jesus. Okay? So that you are witnesses of these things. Notice the word witness. And behold, <coughs> excuse me, I send the promise of my Father, which is the Holy Spirit, which we've been talking about the last 16 weeks. For I, behold, I send the promise of my Father uh, uh, upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. These two words, witnesses and power, are used as Jesus is talking about. We're witnesses of these things, and we're going to find out these things are the power. Okay? You shall receive power from on high. Okay? Now let's fast forward to Acts chapter 1. Who wrote Acts? Luke. The same author who wrote this also wrote this. This is a sequel. You'll see that in verse uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 1. I'm not, I'm not going to start there for the sake of time. We're going to start verse 3. It says, To whom he's, he also uh, uh, he's talking about to Christ God has also presented himself a lot. Oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. I'm trapping up my words here. He's talking about himself to whom Jesus, he, Jesus, also presented himself alive. At, so who, who did he present himself alive to? The disciples, 120. We're, we're told uh, over 5,000 people. Uh, he, 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 he represented himself, presented himself to. Sorry, I'm... I'm my tongue's tied this morning. To him he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being sent by them during the 40 days. And during these 40 days he spoke of the things of the kingdom of God. We're going to come back to this kingdom of God part. But he spoke to about the kingdom of God for 40 days. I don't know about you, but I would like to get that message. That's, that's serious that he taught for 40 days. I would really like to get that. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Same thing he said in Luke 24. But wait for the promise of the Father, uh, the Holy Spirit, which he said, you have heard from me. Verse 5. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom? They've been, he's been talking about the kingdom for 40 days with them. Okay? I believe the conversation, let me back for, I believe the conversation started around here. But for 40 days, he's been talking about the kingdom. And so they asked him, I mean, you've been talking about the kingdom for 40 days, so they had a logical question because they all had a perception that the Messiah was going to, uh, you know, there was a lot of prophecy about the Messiah. And there was a lot of also uh, misunderstanding. They didn't understand at this time that there was a second coming. But they're understanding it now. And there was a first coming and there's a second coming. But anyway, that's a whole other set of messages. That the, the, He says, will you have to store, time restore the kingdom of God? That was the question. And in verse 7, And he, Jesus, said to them, It is not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. It sounds like he's not answering the question. The question was, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He does answer the question, if you understand what he's saying here. But you shall receive, there's that word power again, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses, there's that word witness again, to, you'll be witnesses to who? To me. We're witnessing to Jesus in Jerusalem and into all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Most people thought when I taught this 17 week series on knowing the Holy Spirit, thought that we were going to start here. I'm ending here, okay? I saved the good wine for last, okay? Now, before I go here, these two words keep coming up. Power, you shall receive power. <coughs> when, and this word witnesses, witnesses to him. Witnesses of what? The, uh, uh, I'm going to talk about these two words, power, witness. Let me save my thoughts for witnessing for just a moment. Let's look at this word power for just a minute. This is not going to be an exhaustive study on the word power, but I'm going to bring some things that we've been talking about the last 16 weeks and, and tie this into this word power. First of all, one of the key passages we teach in this church, Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, what? The gospel is it's not what part of it is the there's a there's, uh, uh, definite article right here. Excuse me, that it is the power of God. The gospel is not just part of the power of God. It is the power of God unto salvation. We're going to look at that word a little more later too. To who? Everyone, not just some people. Not just Israel, but to everyone that believeth. We're going to be talking about believeth, and we're going to be talking about believing faith in my next series. Okay? To the Jew first, and also the Greek. Why the Jew first? Because he came to the Jews first. It was offered to them first. To the Greeks, that's you and I, most of us. For therein, therein what? The gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. We're going to look at that briefly today. We've talked a lot about that in this church in the last seven years. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by his faith. And we'll be talking about that more next week and the weeks to come. Okay, There's a lot here, but I want to emphasize right now, because he's talking about power and witnesses. And the what is the power? The power is, is the gospel. 
the, the, the gospel is the power of God. I like it when Bible, the Bible interprets the Bible. Okay? Paul didn't say one thing here, and Jesus is saying a different thing here. No. Remember, in our teaching, especially the last few weeks, there's two major functions of the Holy Spirit. One, to get you saved, the oil. And the second one is to get you filled with the Holy Spirit. Those are the two major functions of the Holy Spirit. And the power is not going to be absent of those two major functions. He's talking about, excuse don't get dizzy on me. He's talking about the promise. Um, he's talking about the, I'm trying to get to where he said it. The promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit who will come. <clears throat> he says, he's talking about the Holy Spirit who's coming. We know that in this context. And so this power and, 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 this, and this Holy Spirit is going to lead you and guide you in all truth. What's the truth? What's the power? The gospel. Because the number one function of the Holy Spirit is to bring everyone to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the number one function. Remember our, our, our story about the great Samaritan? Where Jesus, our good Samaritan, found us in that, in that Jericho road. We were wounded and stripped and half naked. And he brought us to the inn, the church. And he, he gave us to the host, the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the host. The Holy Spirit is going to give us the oil and the wine. Okay? We've also talked several weeks ago, almost two months ago, how when we are, there's three kinds of baptisms, and when we get saved, it's the Holy Spirit who baptizes us into the body of Christ. That's salvation. The power were to be witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the end of the earth. Why? First of all and foremost, to bring people to Jesus. If we have the power just so we can have a, 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 a a lot of wine. <laughs> How do you know you get some wine, you can you can have some partying going on. And I'm not a party animal in that way, but but play go along with me here, okay? Let's use a little bit of humor here. Some people that get too much wine, they're gonna start partying. And there's some churches and a lot of partying going on, but who's getting saved? And we're not just coming to church to have a party, and I'm okay with having a party, but I'm I, I want to get people saved. And I want to get people healed. And I want to get people set free from whatever they need to be saved from. Because we know this word saved, sozo, or soteria, salvation, means wholeness, healing, provision. It means uh, uh, prosperity. It means deliverance. And there's some people who need to get healed. There's some people who need to be delivered. There's some people who need to prosper. We want to get people saved. We need to get them the oil. Some people have been on the Jericho Road too long. And we need to give Jesus their neighbor to them so he can give them the oil and the wine. And as we get the wine, the Holy Spirit is going to lead us and guide us in all truth. You show them the truth and the truth will set you free. Okay? So how, and a lot of the gifts that we talked about are facilitating this edification that we talked about in Corinthians about getting people saved and people getting people filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just for you. And, and the fruit, the, the life, the, the, the DNA of God, the nature of God that's in us that we've talked about the last couple of weeks is to lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
to be filled with the wine, but guide them in all truth so that they can be, how many know we're called to make disciples of all nations? There's some teaching going on. There's some guiding going on so that they can, can get not only cleaned up, saved and delivered and cleaned up, but that they too can be filled with the Holy Spirit so that too can go and be witnesses of this power, of this good thing to the uttermost parts of the world. That makes sense? The purpose of this church, Lighthouse Discipleship Center, is yes to be a beacon to the world, but it's also the key word is discipleship to disciple you in such a way that you are not always a victim, but you are now healed and delivered and saved so you can go be a lighthouse because we are the light of the world. He's the light of the world, but he is in us. And Jesus said in, in Matthew that we are the light of the world. And, and we, have, we are to be witnesses. Uh, you know, and so it's, it, uh, it, there's a, I, I'm going to get ahead of myself here. Again, John sixteen thirteen. I'm piggybacking on this one right here. I'm quoting this verse right here. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things again. He's going to lead you to Jesus. That's his first primary function. His second one is to lead you into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Again, the two major functions of the Holy Spirit. Okay, again, we've talked in the weeks past, the last couple of weeks, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. We're born of God. We are born, our born-again spirits are, are like what they are born of. We are born of God. We are born again. We're not born again back into our mother's womb, as Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. But we are born of the Spirit. And if we are born of God, we are the children of God. We have the nature of God. We have the character of God. We have the lifestyle of God. And in all that, we have the power of God. If you have God, if you have His nature, if you have His Spirit, if you have His DNA, you have the power! I taught him this at length, but many times in different ways. And people will still come to me, Dave, when are you going to get to the good stuff? The gospel is the power of God. And if you want to have a power that does anything and everything else but lead people to Jesus, then I don't want to be a part of that church. I'm okay. I, do I believe there's more things to be taught and different things? Yes. But I will never deviate from the number one function of the church and the number one function of the Holy Spirit, and that is to lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then get them filled, get them empowered, so they can live this Christian life, so they can be a witness to other people and lead them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is the power. There's nothing more powerful than seeing a life get saved. There's nothing more powerful than seeing a life transform by the power of God, by the nature of God, by the character of God. By, and, and where it's not, just, it's not just a one-time event, it's a lifestyle. And we have his nature, his DNA that we're born of. Okay, First John chapter 4 says this, verse 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We're talking about the power <coughs> Christ, the fullness of God that we talked about last week, and we'll talk about again today. The Holy Spirit. This, this, 
this Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit is in you. And he who is in you is greater than he does in the world. There's a lot of junk going on in our world. There's a lot of evil in our world. There's a lot of envy and strife and every evil thing going on in our world. But he who is in you is greater than he does in the world. What you have in this oil and this wine, what you have in Jesus, what you have in the grace of your master, Jesus Christ, what you have in the extravagant love of your father, what you have in the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit is greater than he who's in the world. Is Satan great? He's already defeated. But in, in a lot of our religious minds, we think he's still great. No, he who's in you is greater. What you have in Jesus is greater. Because what you have in Jesus, you can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You can cast out demons in his name. You can raise the dead. There's nothing impossible for him who believes. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He goes on to say in chapter 5, verse 4, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. This is where I'm going next week, talking about our faith. <coughs> okay. Church, church, being born of God is the most powerful thing you have. Because if you are born of God, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. This is not part of the victory. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. Our faith. For, for therein is the righteous God revealed from faith for faith for the just, the righteous live by his faith. The gospel reveals that you're right with God. And this is the victory from faith to faith, from glory to glory, that you overcome the world. And that is your faith in Jesus Christ. This is not just a one-time experience. This is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. If you are born of God, this will overcome the world. Again, going back to Luke 24, where we started off this morning, we are witnesses of these things. What are we witnesses of? We're born again. We're born of God. There should be fruit. What we've been talking about the last week, there should be love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, the nature of God, the virtue of God, the power of God. We should be a witness. Jesus cursed the fig tree that didn't have figs when it should have had figs. We should be a witness. There should be the fruit of holiness, the fruit of righteousness in our lives. We are not just born again so we can go to heaven and there's no fruit. Some of us are born again until we can go to heaven, but we can care less about anyone else. That's selfish. There's nothing about 1 Corinthians 13 about in, in that. I'm not just born again so I can, over, I can go to heaven. Yes, that's part of it. I'm not trying to water that down. But if I'm only concerned about me, and I'm not concerned about thee, then something's wrong. That is not the nature of God. That is not the love of God. We love because He first loved us. And we're not loving. How can you say, how, John will go on to say another passage of scripture in the same book. He says, how can you, you love God who you have not seen and not, not love your brother who you do see? 
John gets very harsh with people like that. We're not going there today, but but we need we got the nature of God, and the nature of God, if you have the Spirit of God, the nature of God, He has compassion on the people. And He will help you to love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? But we are witnesses of the things. And some people, they have, they, they claim they're born again, they claim they're filled with the, the Holy Spirit, but they're not, they're, what their lifestyle, what they say, what they talk about, what they think about, how they live, is no way a witness of who they are. That's a hypocrite. And, I, and this is not to be a negative message, this is supposed to be a positive message. But we, if we have a, uh, a, a message, but our lifestyle is anything but that, there's no power in that. We can have the gifts to move mountains. We can have the gifts to speak prophecy and tongues. And we can, we can give all we have, all of our thing, uh, all of our goods to feed the poor. But if we have not love being a witness, we are nothing. There's no power in that. And actually it will be counterproductive. How many people have we come across in the world? And even the church says, I, 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 they don't want anyone to come to church. Why? It's not so much they're mad at God, they're mad at His people, His bride. Because they have failed in being a witness. The, the gifts might be there, but there's no fruit. There's no witness. That's not powerful. That's not God. That's not attractive. Okay, I know I don't think I have these verses on the screen today, but Jesus said, "This is how the world will know that you're my disciples because you love one another." He prayed in John 17, "I pray, Lord, that they would be one as you and I are one, so the world would know that you sent me." Our number one evangelist, our number one witness to the world, is loving one another, and we can't do that until we know His love, until we receive His oil and His wine. Which his wine includes love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness. We can't even do that until we know his love for ourselves. Okay? Let's go back. We ended here last week, but let's go here again. I'm not going to read the whole passage of scripture. I know I have 14 to 21 there. That's the prayer. I'm going to pick it up in verse 19 though. The end of the prayer. And to know the love of Christ, which passes or surpasses knowledge. Knowing, experiencing, being intimate with the love of Christ. Knowing the love of Christ passes intellectual knowledge. There's a lot of people in the church, religiously speaking, have a knowledge of Christ. Knowledge of the love of God, but they don't know it personally. And we're talking about in this teaching, knowing the Holy Spirit. Knowing. We're talking about knowing the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about knowing the extravagant love of the Father. We're talking about knowing the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit, the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I just love that phrase. You know, the Amplified says you're filled overflowing with God Himself. I don't want to just know intellectually the love of Christ. I want to be filled. We're talking about being spirit-filled. We're talking about knowing the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled. <clears throat> not, not half full. I want to be full gospel. Full of the fullness of God. And we're talking about being a, we're talking about power. You cannot have anything more powerful than the fullness of God. 
There is nothing in this world. There's nothing in the universe. There's nothing in all heaven that is better, more powerful than the fullness of God. And we should be witnesses that we have the fullness of God. There should be a witness. And in some people, I hear a loud message, but I don't see the evidence of the fullness of God in their life. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. This power, this love, is not just dormant. It's not complacent. It's not passive. It's at work. It's working. His love, His nature, His fullness, His power is at work in us. And we should be witnesses of that. Paul, in this prayer, I didn't get the whole prayer this morning. He wants us to know the height, the width, the length, the depth, the, the be grounded and rooted in this love. And he says we do that in, the, in this prayer. He says we do that by faith. And that's what we're going to get into next week. <coughs> but there's a he's able church. He's able, he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what you ever ask God for, what you ever even even think in your wildest imagination. And I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to inspire you. But church at large, we have thought we are not seeing this. We're not seeing this witness. If we saw on a regular basis the seemingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, there would be something that the world would say, I want what you got. There would be a witness. They're like, I don't understand it. Please teach me how to experience the seemingly abundantly above all. And if you have the fullness of God in you and you're not seeing this, something's disconnected. Something's wrong. You have the power. You have the love. You have the fullness of God in you. And yet you're not seeing a seemingly abundant above all. Does God go in you? Does the fullness of God go in you and just go to sleep? And yet there's time for us to wake up. Amen or oh me. We're born of God, church. We have His DNA. We are children of God. This is the and this is the victory that overcomes the world, that we know our faith, that we know God, that we're born of God. We have the nature of God. We have the character of God. We have the lifestyle of God. We have the power of God. We have the virtue of God. We have the love of God in us, this fullness. And this power, this love, this nature is, is supposed to be working exceedingly, abundantly, more than we could ever ask or imagine. There's supposed to be a power going. There's supposed to be a witness taking place. Okay? I want this power. If you know, if you've experienced, if you know the Holy Spirit, if you know the love of Christ, you have the fullness of God. You have this power to do these things and much more. First John 4.10, again, I'm, I'm piggybacking on this word love. You can know the love of Christ because knowing the love of Christ is the key to having the fullness. 
And knowing the love of Christ is the key to experience this exceedingly abundantly in this power that's supposed to be working. You have to, to get this, you have to know this. I didn't have it on here, but the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Romans 5 5. Okay? So, to get this, some of you are asking, okay, that's great, that's awesome, I want it. How do I get this? You've got to know, you've got to experience, you've got to be intimate with knowing the love of Christ. It's kind of like one of those uh, movies from Star Wars where Yoda tells them, put all of your firepower in the nearest starship. Put all your firepower in knowing God, knowing His love. If you don't know where to start, start here. You will not experience the other half until you know the love of Christ. I'm not talking about that. This doesn't say love Christ and you will be able to. No, know His love for yourself. You can't even love God like you should until you know how much He loves you. Galatians 5, 6 says, Faith works by love. Your faith cannot operate until you know His love. And what is love? Well, I love it. Again, the Bible gives the answer. John says, herein is love. I love that two-letter word, I-S. Because that's very definitive to me. the, The gospel is the power of God. And this is love. Not that we love God. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. What's this speaking of? The gospel. That we're supposed to be witnesses of us. That we're supposed to be witnesses of. We need to know the gospel. We need to know he loved us. Above everything else. We need to know that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Because this gospel is the power of God. To everyone who believeth. But here in this love, okay? This goes back to our key verse that we've been talking every, every session in this season, and serious and season. We need to know. We need to know His love. We need to know the amazing grace, the gospel of the Master Jesus Christ. We need to know this, this extravagant love. What love? That He loved, He sent His Son to become the propitiation of our sins. And we need to know this intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit who will lead us and guide us into all truth. And when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. This is gospel. We're supposed to be witnesses of these things. Paul prayed another prayer in the first chapter of Ephesians. He says, and Paul's praying that, he's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of Him. That you would know Him. The, the two functions of the Holy Spirit is to bring you to a saving knowledge of Him and fill you with His fullness. Fill you with His own Spirit. Okay? The, that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And what is the seeding greatness of His power toward who? Us. Who believe, there's faith, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked 
in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand and the heavenly places. This is exactly what Jesus was talking about in Luke 24 that he says you are witnesses of these things. Paul is praying that we would be understand we would have a revelational knowledge of these things that and there's so much here. I can't even get it out. I can't even express it in words like I want to express it. But church, as a pastor, why we do all these teachings, why we do everything we do, I want you to know um, all these. I want you to have the understanding. I want you to know the hope of His calling. I want you to know the riches of His glory and inheritance. God has, has invested in you. There's an inheritance in you. God has invested. <coughs> he has invested Himself. Into you. How many of you know? How many of you know God is wise, and He's a good businessman, and He's made an investment in you. He died. He sent His own Son to die to put the kingdom in you, to give you the kingdom, to give you the keys of the kingdom, to, get, to put the kingdom of, get, to, to be His witnesses. He's giving you all authority. And he wants you to, I want you to know the seeding greatness of his power when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Whoever is seated at the right hand in heavenly places has, he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is worthy. He is in majesty and high. He is the king of all kingdoms and the Lord of all lords. There is nothing, there is no one more powerful than him. And he's raised from the dead. He's conquered death. And he's in you. And you are witnesses of these things. Am I making any sense? Okay? Because I'm preaching myself happy here. Okay? You're witnesses of these things. We are witnesses of the cross. We are witnesses of this. Okay? This is, this is the same verse that we used a minute ago. Okay? Again, going back to Acts chapter 1 real quick. During these 40 days, he spoke about the kingdom of God. Okay? Jesus. And I, I, I made it short right here. They asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me, to all the world, starting with Jerusalem, starting where you're at. You might not be from Jerusalem. Start where you're at. Then go to your region. Go to your area. To the end of the world. But start at home. Start in your hometown. Start where God has planted you. Where you are now. You're to be witnesses. You're to be witnesses. Why? Because the kingdom of God is in you. We're empowered. He's empowered us to be witnesses. We're not the judge and we're not the jury. We're the witness. We're on the witness stand. We're not the lawyer. We're not the advocate. We're not the counselor. We're not the jury. We're not the, the, the judge. We are the witness. What does a witness do? A witness simply relates what they have experienced or seen and thereby providing evidence to the truth. Your life, your ministry, your life should be a witness Evidence to the world that you are in. Your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, your 
where you, God has planted you, that you're a witness that Jesus is alive. That you have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. That Jesus, because your faith in the world, this is the world, the victory that overcomes the world. Your faith, you have the gospel. You have the power of God. You have the fullness of God. You have the nature of God. There should be a witness that you are born again. That you're born of God. We are witnesses of these things. We're not a judge and jury. I can't make, you know, even if I'm a witness on the witness stand, I can't make them understand the truth, but I, it's my job under oath to say what I've witnessed. They can agree with it. They can disagree with it. They can try to unravel it. And how many know the devil will try to kill, steal, and destroy and try to, to mess with your faith? He'll try to shipwreck your faith. He'll try to kill your faith. It's a fight of faith. But I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. I am going to be a witness that I believe in God. I'm trusting God. That His Word is alive. That Jesus is alive. That I am alive in Him. I'm going to be a witness. You can try to counter it. You can try to argue it. You can try to cross-examine it. But I am going to be a witness that of this, that the Word of God, that He has led me into all truth. That He's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than I can ever ask or imagine. We should not only preach in word only, but in demonstration and in power. I'm not, when I'm talking about the power, I'm not excluding signs and wonders. Church, that is lacking. I'm going to get there here in a few moments, especially next week. I'll get into some, some, some scriptures. But there should be a demonstration of the word and in power. It's one thing to you just to have a witness. But if you have other evidence of raising the dead, healing the sick, and doing what God has given us the power and ability to do, it's going to be hard for people to counter that witness of the power of God. Okay, we've been the power to be with. We are witnesses in word and in deed. You can tell, you can preach the gospel to me, but if your lifestyle, your deeds, your actions—not just in integrity and holiness, but but also in in signs and wonders. We should be seeing signs and signs and wonders are should be the norm of the kingdom of God. We are also empowered to be a witness to the truth that Jesus is being alive in us. You can tell me that Jesus is alive in you, but if you don't act like Jesus, then your words are nothing. And I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm just like your actions, your deeds should match up what you say. Okay. Again, Romans fourteen seventeen. I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. I'm going to, want to talk about the kingdom of God briefly. But what the, Jesus said, uh, Paul wrote, "What the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but the uh, righteousness and peace and joy." Where in the Holy Spirit? I want to focus on these three things real quick. The kingdom of God is being right with God. It's being at peace with God, and it's being there's joy in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk about these three, three things briefly. Let's go to the first one, right with God, Romans 1, 16 to 17. So I'm sorry if I'm going too fast. I just got a lot to say this morning. Okay? It's like a fire hose. You can actually re-listen to the message later and, and, and digest in bite-sized pieces if you want. But let's talk about being right with God. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about these things real quick. Being right with God. He's, again, we talked about this already. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, 
Therein the gospel, that is the power of God, is the righteousness of God is revealed. Righteousness, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, is revealed in the gospel of Christ. For he who knew no sin became sin, that you might be called the righteousness of God. No, you might become the righteous God. The word become, and, and I'm quoting right now, I'm quoting Second Corinthians 5.21, that word become means to be born of. It means to be born. You become the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Again, we're talking about, so this is Romans 1, 16 to 17. I'm quoting from the King James Version because it has this phrase, unto salvation. I like that phrase. But we're talking about being right with God. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let's deal with the peace real quick. Okay? The peace. First of all, this is a Christmas story, but the angels came to the shepherds at the Christmas, on, at Christmas morn and said, Glory to God in the highest, and peace, and on earth, peace and goodwill towards man. Andrew Womack has a whole teaching on this, how the war between God and man is over. Jesus came to bring peace on earth towards, and goodwill towards who? Men. Us. Okay? Some other scriptures along these lines. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. One of my favorite verses, I use this all the time when I do ministry, but Isaiah 52 verse 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. What's good news? The gospel. The gospel, by definition, is good news. It's too too good to be true news. Who proclaims peace? Who brings, sorry, glad tidings? That's a typo. Okay, glad tidings are good things. Who proclaims salvation, wholeness, healing, provision, deliverance? Who proclaims salvation? Who says to Zion, your God reigns. We're talking about the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And it, it proclaims peace and it declares your God reigns. Someone who reigns is king. I don't know if you, I mean, if you guys aren't getting excited, your wood is wet. Okay? Because we have the authority to proclaim the good news of the gospel. The kingdom of God is here. And we have the authority to say, peace be still. Proclaim his peace. Proclaim healing. Proclaim wholeness. And declare declare to Zion, his church, his bride, his people, your God reigns. We are witnesses of these things. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon us and He has anointed us to bring these glad tidings, to bring this good news of this peace and this salvation and to declare our God reigns. Disciples ask, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is righteous peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It was also joy in the Holy Spirit. Let's look at this briefly. 1 Peter 1, 7-9. That the genuineness of your faith, we'll talk about that next week, being more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of who? Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love. We've already been talking about that. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, we're going to talk about that next week, you rejoice with joy inexpressible. And full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There's so much in this, in this, this proclamation right here. 
the scripture. But we're talking about this inexpressible joy. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I could use a lot more scriptures. I'm just, I just, I'm giving a little bit of evidence towards this. Again, we're talking about the kingdom of God. And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And he says, <coughs> Now when he, Jesus, was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom does not come with observation. Nor will they say, See here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. You know, Jesus was speaking 40 days about the kingdom of God. The disciples asked almost the same question. When is the kingdom coming? Are you going to establish the kingdom of God? They basically asked the same question. And Jesus answers the Pharisees in this in this instance. Luke, the same author who wrote Acts in Luke. He says, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. In an earlier passage in the same book, Luke, Luke chapter 12, Jesus told his own disciples, do not fear little flock. For it is your father's pleasure to give you kingdom. Folks, the kingdom of God is not here and there. The kingdom of God is within you. The fullness of God is within you. The DNA of God is within you. The fruit of the Spirit of God is in you. The Spirit of God is in you. If you have the Spirit, you are witnesses of these things. You have the power. You have the same power to raise Christ from the dead. You have the same power that Jesus used in his ministry. Jesus operated in this power and you too. Because where is the kingdom of God? It's here. It's within you. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And you are witnesses of everything I'm talking about. That all sums up in the cross. His love for you. He sends a promise of the Holy Spirit so you can have the power to be this witness of these things to Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Again, the Spirit, Holy Spirit will guide you, will lead you into all truth because it's the truth that sets you and other people free. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. I'll be talking about that in a few weeks. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. First John 4, 4. Again, we already talked about these scriptures. You are of God. Get little children you have overcome because he who is, is in you. This righteousness, this kingdom, this power, this anointing that is in you is greater, is greater than that he who is in the world. Romans 8.14 says, For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If you are led by the Spirit of God, then you are a son of God. And if you are a son of God, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I'm using a lot of the same scriptures. I'm using a lot of repetition because the Bible, the scriptures testify of him, of Jesus. Okay? Again, I already said this, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world. You know, yes, you're born of God if you believe on Jesus. But believing on Jesus is not just a one-time thing. I love the King James because it says, He who believeth. That it means to believe and continue to believe. 
It's an ongoing. It's a, it, we, we don't just believe one time and we're, yes, we get saved, we can be born again, but some of us have believed and become born again and we're idle. We're passive. And we're going to get into it next week. We're no threat to the devil's kingdom and we're no good to the God's kingdom because we're not doing anything. You know, those, when David came on the scene, we're going to look at this next week, of Goliath, he became a threat to the devil's kingdom. And he became of use to God's kingdom. <clears throat> Saul and his armies were of no value for 40 days. He was no threat to Goliath and, and he was no of use to Israel during those 40 days. Okay? But this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. David had faith. David had faith in God, not himself, but in God. And he's like, who's this uncircumcised Philistine that he should divide the armies of the living God? Okay? The Spirit leads us into the law of the Spirit. I don't have time to teach all these things, so these are just a few, few little notes here. But he listens to the law of the Spirit of life. Romans 8, chapter 2. I mean, Romans all these are almost, all these are, you know the word Spirit is used almost 21 times in the book of Romans, chapter 8. It's, it's an amazing chapter. But the Spirit leads us into the, the law of the Spirit of life. He leads us into sonship. Into what, a spirit of adoption where we cry, Abba, Father. There's so much here. I, I, this, is even, this is not even an exhaustive list. But the Spirit leads us. And we're talking about, let me go back real quick. The, the, the Spirit uh, leads us into all truth. Okay. What is the truth that he leads us into? He leads us into the spirit of life. Some of you have the life of God in you, but there, there's no evidence. I mean, even Motel 6 leaves the light on for you. You know, we're the light of the world. The light doesn't do any good, you know. <clears throat> we're the soul of the earth. We got the light, we got the hope. We have a sonship. We have our children of God. We are born of God. And this is the, and, and those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. They're the sons of God. We have a spirit of adoption where we can say, Abba! The world can't call him Abba. They don't even know him. But we know him. And there's a freedom. Because with the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. And we're going to talk about that in the next few weeks as well. <coughs> there is a freedom. There's a liberty. And people who are sick, addicted, strife and envy, financial problems, and so on, they don't have, they're not experiencing salvation to the fullest. They're not experiencing the seething great and abundant things that God can do through the power that's in us. There's a limitation. There's a bondage. Those who are still under the law, there's a bondage. Okay? Galatians 5 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, the freedom by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. He's, this is Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 is where he starts talking about the food of the Spirit. And before he talks, talks, talks about the food of the Spirit, he talks, talks about the food of the flesh. That we talked about last week, where all this drunkenness and different different evils, we're liberated, we're set free not to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage, the flesh, the law, but we are to walk in the spirit, and we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse sixteen, 
Actually, I have it up here. Same chapter. We know that the, book, the church in Galatia was a, had some issues. Corinthians had some issues. They were a little too free. The, the church in Galatian, Galatia was very legalistic. And Paul is waking them up. At the same point in time, he's also saying, we're not to walk in the flesh. We're to walk in the spirit, not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. There's a liberty. I'm going to go back for a minute. The spirit will lead us into freedom. Not freedom to sin. No, you were already in bondage to sin. He set you free from sin. Some people think when you teach grace, we're giving people a license to sin. No, you were already sinning without a license. We are free. Why do we want to go back to our old vomit? The Bible talks about that. We're not going back to our, we're not going back into bondage. We're free to be a witness. We're free to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. We're free to walk in the Spirit. And if we, again, don't, so, don't focus on trying to control the flesh. Focus on walking in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Your flesh is going to lust, naturally speaking. But you're not natural. You're born again. You're born of God. You're supernatural. So stop focusing on the flesh because that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The Spirit of God will help you live a victorious, holy, righteous, moral life. But that's not, living moral is not the goal, it's one of the fruits. It's the fruit of holiness, it's the fruit of righteousness. We want to see lives change. But you're not going to see lives change if you are preaching about God and living like the devil. Okay? In Christ we die to sin. Romans 6. In Christ we die to the law. Romans chapter 7. In Christ we die to self. Galatians chapter 5. In Christ we die to this world. Colossians chapter 2. Okay? There's a lot more I can tell. This is not even an exhaustive This is not an exhaustive list. This is a whole other teaching. I did. I talked I talk about in Christ realities last year sometime. But... We die to sin. We're in Christ. The Holy Spirit is leading us in all truth. We're already dead to sin. We're already dead to the law. We're already dead to self in this world. But we are alive to God. We are walking in the Spirit. And we are witnesses of these things. And we have the power. And because we're dead to sin, because we're dead to the law, we're dead to self, we can have compassion on the people, lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Because some people, some people who are not operating in the supernatural, they're so selfish. They're so busy with this world. They're so caught up and tangled in sin or legalism that they don't have time to help the man, our brother in the Jericho Road. The lawyer couldn't help the the, the, the priest and the, the 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 Levi couldn't help him. But we who have Christ can have the answer for the world. We can help people. We can have compassion on people. But we're we're dead to self. Okay? Again, that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that was born of spirit is spirit. We're not flesh. We died this flesh. We died to sin. You know, the word sin is used 40, uh, I forget the number now, 45, like 45 times in the word of, in the book of Romans. And 43 of those times is a noun and not a verb. I, don't, I forget the exact number, but I do know that there's only two times in the book of Romans that the word sin is a verb. 
the other 40-something times, it's a noun. A noun is a person, place, or thing. A verb is an action. So the word sin, and Andrew brings us out in his teaching grace, grace the power of the gospel. But sin, in the book of Romans, is talking about your nature. You're, you died to Christ. We've been crucified with Christ. We, we were buried with Christ. And it's no, lo- no longer us who live. We're reckoning ourselves to be dead to sin. And now, our old nature. But alive to God in Christ Jesus. And that's the gospel. Okay? We're born of the Spirit. And if we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of flesh. And if we're walking in the Spirit, not only are we not walking in the lust of flesh, but there's power. And we can operate in love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness. We can operate in the unction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Going back to Romans 1.16 from the King James Version, where I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of the gospel. It's the power unto salvation, wholeness. Living in sin is not wholeness. Living in sickness is not wholeness. Living in strife and envy is not wholeness. But we need to be set. We're set free. We need to be delivered from. We need to be delivered from sin and the law and ourselves and this world. We're already delivered in Christ. We already have salvation. The gospel is the power of God, and we have the Spirit of God to be a witness. We have the gifts of the Holy Spirit to edify and bring people to the number one function of the Holy Spirit, and that is to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, the power of the gospel. God has anointed you. God has filled you till we can see people get saved. And in the book of Acts, when they've received power from on high. We saw they saw people being saved by the thousands, by the multitudes daily. Does your did not your Bible say that in Acts that they daily there was those being saved? How many of us can say that? How many of our churches can say that we're seeing people saved by the thousands daily? The gospel is the power of God. Not just, we're not just here to inspire people with a good message. I'm not against an inspiration, but we're here to see people saved. See people experience the power, the nature, the life of God. Salvation includes wholeness, includes healing, includes deliverance, includes provision, prosperity. Some people don't like that part. <laughs> but we're not, some, some of us are poor as a church mouse, but we, the Bible describes us, us differently. You know, um, I, I, I'm just trying to think of which story I want to talk about. Deuteronomy says we're blessed. We're blessed going in, blessed going out. We're the lender of many, and the, the, uh, the, we don't borrow any money. Um, it says that Abraham was rich. His, his, his son Isaac was very rich. His grandson Jacob was extremely rich. His great-grandson Joseph was the prime minister of Egypt. And that was before the law. And that, that those are just some scriptures. But God has blessed us, not just with finances, but there's other provisions. Wholeness, healing. You know, you, uh, there's so much I can talk about. But the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Unto experiencing wholeness. You know, you can, you can give me a prophecy and I feel good for the day. But if you show me someone who gets healed from cancer or from some vicious disease. You show me someone who, whose life is, 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 they're living homeless and they're living... Uh, 
uh, they're just on the bottom and they get provision so they can get their life back in order and get their life back in, in motion so they can be a witness and they can have a life and a purpose to be a witness and an inspiration to, to this world. You see someone who, who's on uh, cocaine or drugs or alcohol, pornography or whatever the case may be, gossip and different things. You, you show me a life that has been transformed by the power of the gospel. I will take that over a feel-good message any day. Okay, I'm all about being edified. I'm all about the gifts. And sometimes we need that in, in, along this road, road called life. But sometimes we need that along this Jericho road that we travel. But I want to see a life not just uh, feeling good for the day, but I want a lifestyle where we are walking in victory. And there's a difference between us and Goshen and those in Egypt. There's a difference. Going back, we are witnesses of these things. We are witnesses of what? Salvation. We are witnesses of wholeness. Okay? We are witnesses of these things. Okay? Let's move forward. John 16, 7. Jesus says this. Just before he goes to the cross, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter, the helper, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. The Holy Spirit, our intimate friend that we've been talking about throughout the series. The presence and anointing of the Holy Spirit is a power source in the believer's heart lives. This anointing worked miracles in Jesus' life. We're going to talk about this in our next series, in the series after this anointing. But it's this anointing, the Spirit of God, the friendship of the Holy Spirit, who worked miracles miracles in Jesus' life. It's His presence. It's the anointed of the Holy Spirit that is a source of power in our lives. It's not us. It's not our good deeds. It's the Holy Spirit, His presence. Okay? Acts 10.38. This is just one example of this, this, this phrase here. The anointing works miracles in Jesus' life. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with what power. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. And God is with you. Who have the oil and you have the wine. The Holy Spirit anointing. We have received this same power that Jesus had. We have the same anointing. We're going to talk about this in more detail in the weeks to come. But we have the same anointing. We have the anointed one on the inside of us. We can expect him who is in us to accomplish the same miraculous works if we believe. Okay, we have the anointing. We are all able ministers of the new covenant. Second Corinthians three six. John fourteen twelve and fourteen says, Most assuredly I say Jesus said he's speaking, he's speaking to his disciples, most assuredly. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. In John fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, he's talking about the Holy Spirit to his disciples before he goes to the cross. He says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, and we're going to be talking about that in the next few weeks, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. I've taught this many times. Some of you have never heard this from me before. But 
I want to pause here just for a second. I don't even know how much time I have, but I'm, I'm wrapping up very soon here. <coughs> but he says, greater works that you do than these because I go to the Father. Why is that tr- true? There's two things. First of all, I don't even know it says in Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 that his word will not return to him void. How many know the word, the, 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 the word is Jesus? Jesus came to die that we can live. Jesus, the word is going back to the Father, not void, but he's going back to the Father because he's going to go to the cross. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He's going to go back to the Father because Jesus is going to fulfill why he came, and that is the cross. And that cross is what we are witnesses of. We are witnesses of the cross. But keep in mind, up till now, this is still Old Testament. I know this is John, but the, the New Testament didn't start till the cross. And no other age, we've talked about this in weeks past, about Pentecost. There's no other age between Adam and Jesus, the last Adam, that ever experienced the finished work of the cross. And there's no other age between Adam and Jesus, the last Adam, that ever experienced the Holy Spirit, which he's talking about in John 14, 15, and 16. But we, since Pentecost till now, have experienced the finished work of the cross, and we have experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Two things, two major things that changed us from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. From the old wine and old wineskins to new wine and new wineskins. Because he goes, he's going to the Father, the Word does not return to him void, but the Word is returning back to the Father because Jesus is, is going to finish the cross and he's going to give us the Holy Spirit. Uh, he said, uh, he said, let me go back here real quick. It's expedient for you that I go away, that the Holy Spirit will come. Let me go back to where I was. Okay, he says, but all we have to do, and that's why I'm going to spend the next five or six weeks talking about he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do. And greater works will he will do. The operative word is will. We will. We could. It's not that we should. It's not that we could. We will do what he did and even greater if we have what I'm going to call next week the spirit of faith. I don't call it that. Scripture calls it that, but I'm going to talk about that. First, third, uh, I didn't finish it. Uh, I don't know why it's not on here. But he, he goes on to say, let me, let me get here real quick. Um, I, I want to finish it. John 14, verse 13. He says, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. <coughs> if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. There's a lot here. This goes right back to what Paul said in Ephesians, that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more above all that we ask or think according to the power that's working us. But Jesus here, 
in John 13 and John chapter 14 verses 13 and 14 says, and he says it twice here, and whatever you ask in my name that I will do. Verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus in John 14, 15 and 16 is talking about the Holy Spirit. And in John 14, 15 and 16, six times, Six times in these three chapters, Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Why? Because he goes to the Father. Verse 13 starts with the word, and. It is a conjunction. You can tie in verse 13 and 14 with this verse, verse 12. Because verse 13 starts with the word, and. And is a conjunction. And we will do, not only will we do what he did in greater things, whatever we ask in his name, he will do so the Father may be glorified in the Son. How, why is that? The Father is glorified in the Son because Jesus to the cross changed everything. God is, not, the Father is not glorified in the Son when you don't ask. God is not glorified in the Son when you don't do what He did and greater than what He did. God's not glorified in the Son when Jesus paid for your salvation. He paid for your healing. He paid for your prosperity. He paid for your provision and wholeness and deliverance. And He paid for that on the cross and you don't do anything with it. He's not glorified. God is not glorified when you're sick. God is not glorified when you're poor. God is not glorified when you are in bondage. Now, am I getting on your case? No. I'm just saying God wants to, God wants more for you. I want you to know the amazing grace of the Father, the extravagant love of the Father, and the, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit so that you can do what He did. You can ask anything in His name. And he will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Because all this starts back, he who believes in me will do these things. And if you believe in him, you'll ask anything in his name, and he will do it. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Okay, I'm, I'm springboarding to the next week's message because the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believeth. For therein is the God, righteous of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live, shall live, not just visit, shall live by his or by faith. Most assuredly, I say, oh, that, that's what this verse is. <laughs> and, uh, there it is. Uh, somewhere I had to mess up on my PowerPoints. Okay? We are witnesses of these things. We have the power. The power of His love. The power of God. The virtue of God. The nature of God. And we are witnesses of these things. We have the power. We have the witness. Okay? We are powered. Uh, again, a witness, a witness is simply someone who relates what they have experienced and therefore provided evidence to truth. We can be a witness of these things. 
When God starts doing anything we ask in his name, when we start laying hands on the sick and to recover, when we start operating in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, not in just word only, but also in deed, we're a witness. But I don't care about the deeds if you don't have the fruit. That makes sense? Because you will actually be counterproductive, not productive. If you are doing signs and wonders, but you are living like the devil, and you're talking like the devil, you can't get along with people. You might be doing signs and wonders, but no one wants to be around. That is not a witness. Okay? But just because you are talking like God, but you're not doing anything. If you have God, then do something. Let's do. Let's be the church. Okay? We are witnesses in word and deed to the truth that Jesus is alive. And that he's not dead. He's alive. If he's alive, then where's the light? Where's the life? Where's the fruit? Where's the evidence? And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or with wisdom, declared to you the testimony of God, for I determined that not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech, I'm going to be talking about my speech a lot more next week. You'll hear about that. My preaching <coughs> were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit. And empower. So we're not quite. That's why next week is going to be more of a sequel because we're going to get start getting to the demonstration part. We're going to get to the demonstration of the spirit and empower that your faith. We're talking talk about this next week, but I'm talking about this week that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, the love of God, the nature of God, the virtue of God that we are witnesses of. Again, the gospel is the power of God to everyone who believeth. And we're supposed to live by our faith. We are witnesses of these things. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. And what are we witnesses of? We are witnesses of Christ's suffering and rising from the dead. And that we should repeat repentance. What does repentance mean? Repentance means changing your mind. If you think you're sick because it's COVID, then you need to repent. Change your mind. I'm not saying there's not a, uh, I'm not going to get all political here. I'm not saying there's not a real disease called COVID, but I am saying there's a healer called Jesus Christ. And he is my healer. He is my God. God. And, and Christ, by his stripes, I am healed. And I am exalting what Christ did over anything, everything that, every, you know, is it everything, knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And that, that COVID has a name, and it must bow to the name of Jesus. Okay? Again, next week I'm going to be talking about experiencing the spirit of faith as small as a mustard seed. But this mustard seed is powerful. It's powerful. And I want you not just to know about, I want you to experience the spirit of faith. Because next week we're going to also talk about the Spirit of the Lord is upon us, upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings of gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, that freedom we're talking about, through the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord as jubilee and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. 
to console those who mourn in Zion, his church, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the plans of the Lord that he may be glorified. There's much more in this chapter, but this chapter that most of us talk about, some of you thought I was going to preach from here, but I'm not only going to preach it in the coming series, talking about the experience in your, your spirit of faith, but I'm also going to be preaching it in two series from now, when I talk about walking in the anointing, because this, everything I talk about here, is the anointing, and we have the anointing. The Spirit of God is in us, okay? And that concludes our teaching on knowing the Holy Spirit. I hope you're making sense. I'm saying a lot today. I got a lot more to say next week. I got a lot more to say, and I just, but I want to switch gears. We're going to be talking from faith, but really it's a continuation of what we've been talking about in knowing the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to go talk about the anointing which is really just a continuation of everything else we've been talking about. Okay, so we're not done. We're just changing the title. Okay? Lord, we worship you. We magnify you. Lord, help us to understand these things, that we would have the spirit of understanding and revelation and knowledge of you. Lord, I pray that we get this, and that we get it so we begin to walk in it. We would know the Holy Spirit. Because, Lord, even as I taught this morning, you said that your Holy Spirit would bring your scriptures to, to our remembrance. Remind us again and again and again of these things that we talked about, that we can operate and experience the power and the witness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We worship you, we magnify you, in Jesus' name we give you thanks. Amen, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock as we have our Bible study. Amen.